0: Well, hi everyone and welcome to Alzheimer Speaks Radio. I'm your host, Lori LeBay, and I'm so excited that you're joining us today. We are going to have a fascinating conversation, as usual, as we learn from people all around the world, ages and stages of life. all, Stay tuned as we shift our dementia care from crisis to comfort. Right, here we go. What you think about. everyone and welcome to Alzheimer Speaks Radio. I'm Lori LeBay, the host of your show. And just a little background on me. My mom had dementia for 30 years, so I get the journey. Um, I understand the needs and the resources that you all need and that's one of the reasons I started Alzheimer Speaks was to connect people around the world and raise all voices so that we could share uh, what we're doing and um, hopefully improve life for those living with dementia and those caring for them as well. If you like the opening music, it's called Clarion Call by the Mark Arneson Band, and you can go ahead and download that on any of your favorite music platforms. Today we're going to be talking about Care Farms, but before we do that, I'm just going to do a couple of shout-outs. One is to Artist Senior Living of Wilmot, Illinois, And I am going to be doing a webinar for them called Caregiver Survival Camp. And that is going to be happening um, Tuesday, March 23rd at 530 to 630 Central Time. But anybody is welcome to join. And you can call 224-408-3152. That's 224-408-3152. to register for that. I also want to give a shout out to Dementia Map. I am so proud of Dementia Map. It is something that myself and Dave Wiedrich with the Memory Cafe directory uh, collaborated on and it is a global resource directory and so we encourage all parties who have resources, products, and tools get listed on there. Sign up for a tour with me. I'm doing live demos um, every day of the the work week. Just go to dementia map.com to find out more. And if you're a family or professional in need, check it out. There's lots of information there. Not just the resource directory, but we also have an events calendar and a blog that will give you a lot of good information too. And then of course I have to uh, shout out to the Memory Cafe directory because Those are allowing families to kind of maintain sanity, especially during COVID. Now, a lot of the cafes um, kind of went offline like a lot of businesses did during COVID. But there are many that you can participate in that are online. And so check out Cafe Connect on MemoryCafeDirectory.com. And uh, Dave will keep you posted as things open back up. For live meetings as well. Uh, Next, I want to give a shout out to Coral Health. That's C-O-R-O health.com. They are still allowing people to download for free uh, two of their apps, Music First and Coral Faith during the pandemic. And let me see here. I want to shout out to the Footbar Walker and no better way to hear about them, but we're going to listen uh, to a commercial of theirs. Introducing the life-changing foot bar walker. I'm Peggy from Danville, Kentucky, and I'm 91 years old. The foot bar walker revolutionized my care of George. It absolutely benefits the patient and the caregiver both, and that's the beauty of it. It's so easy to use. It folds up just like a dream. I got it in and out of the car without any effort at all. The saving that I made from having to put him in a nursing home came to about $192,000. Does someone you love use a walker? Do they struggle? excited to do this show today. Care Farms is something that I think is a really special and hot topic, um, yet so many people around the world don't really know what they are. And we are honored today to have Mr. Suyuki Ata with us, and he has run an architectural design office since 1986. He's also the CEO of Urban Greenery, Inc., which he launched back in 2020. He's a member of the Japan Institute of Architects and the Japan Construction Management Association. And it truly is a privilege to have you with us, Mr. Atta. Thank you for joining us.
1: Thank you.
0: Also with us today, we are so lucky to have Yoshi with us. And he is going to be actually our interpreter, because I don't speak Japanese, and so he's going to be our, our kind of softball between us um, to make sure that communication is clear. So thank you so much, uh, Ashi, for being with us today. Very much. And we also have Nako with us, who is Ashi's wife. And none of this would have been possible without her. She has coordinated and arranged all of this and we are all in different locations. I'm in the US in Minnesota. Uh we have uh you guys over in is it France I believe? And then um Mr Atta in Japan. So we are all different time zones and so I appreciate everyone's flexibility in terms of being able to join us. So again, uh Nako, thank you so much for for helping arrange all of this. Thank you. I'm going to start off, um, and I want to ask Mr. Atta, because I always ask every one of my guests if they have been personally touched by dementia in their own family or circle of
1: friends. Um,
0: okay, so no one with dementia but is familiar with care homes right. for the elderly right. um, with family members. Okay, well that's that's wonderful background to have. Um wondering uh Mr. Ata if you can tell us uh, you know how does elderly housing actually work in Japan? What type of housing do they have?
1: え、各種
0: so,
1: it sounds like it's just as confusing there as it is here. For the public. Ah, 全国。なので、10 あの、30%
0: so that's interesting that and it's nice that everybody has insurance because we don't have that here in the u.s as uh, everybody's heard over overall the squabbling with our government lately <laughs> and um it's, it's an interesting concept to have uh people over 40 pay for that long-term insurance you know for their elders because then everybody gets lifted up and covered mm-hmm through
1: that process. I, I like that idea.
0: I'm wondering if in Japan, within all the elderly housing that's available, is there anything that's really adapted to meet the needs of those living
1: with dementia? えっと、全ての、あの、まあ、2ユニットから、15万円から まあ、まあ、か
0: that's all I gotta say is wow. Because um here in the US a, a small group home like that will cost probably I would say on the average seventy five hundred
1: to ten thousand
0: dollars
1: a month. Oh, oh, oh <laughs> <what I> <laughs> yeah. Monthly. Monthly
0: yeah, um, so that is, that is very interesting. Um, much of our housing here is in more community settings. And we have, a, we have a mixture of, you know, some will be in a nursing home type setting um, and some will be in a, what we call a, uh, there's kind of a progression of, of types of housing that people move through. And and some have separate little neighborhoods that might house anywhere from 10 to 30 people, and others are just really big, everyone's together. And then we have the small group homes, but we don't have near as many. Most live in large communities. and so And, and there's a big difference in terms of the type of service that can be delivered just from the staffing alone. Of the size and, and the layouts there, so very interesting how you guys have honed in on the small group home because it's so much more personalized mm. for someone with dementia. Uh, could,
1: could you could you explain me again uh, what do you mean by more community based? I couldn't really
0: um... Okay, so. We have, we have a lot of large, um, organizations and communities. Some are non-profit. Some are for-profit. But those can be fairly big and some will be specific just to dementia or Alzheimer's. And they'll have typically wings of people. And so in an, in, and they call the wings a neighborhood or a community within, within the community. And those typically, I would say, house you know 20 to 30 people in a community on, on average mm-hmm. but then we have larger communities where everyone's kind of mixed together mm-hmm. as well mm-hmm. um, and so and then we have some group homes that are smaller mm-hmm. like yours but not near as many mm-hmm. and and the cost is higher mm-hmm. as you saw but yet, um, for someone even to be in a nursing home, like my mom was in a nursing home, um, and had dementia. And, you know, she, I want to say the cost back then was probably
1: 6,500. And, and that was a month. You Okay,
0: interesting. I not heard that statistic. And I know everyone, depending on the progression, is in a in a little bit different state, but um I can I can see where that would help in terms of limiting the numbers. Sure, and that makes a total sense, total sense. You want less reactions to all the stimulus of, of a lot of people in a big environment. What exactly are some of the problems that you see in your elder housing in Japan?
1: あの、日本の高齢者住宅の問題あの、<音声>まあ、え、制度つまり 2 あの、I find that
0: all very very interesting and what I'm going to do I think is I'll make some comments on what he said and then I can go into the US side if that's helpful. We'll break it into kind of two sections. So first, I, I love what he said about living well versus luxury living because I think that's an issue here of um, misconception that just because something looks pretty that people are um, living well and that's not always the case. For example, many times what I find here in the U.S. and I used to be in real estate and, and do sales was that it would look pretty to entice the family to help them get over the hump of making the move but it really wasn't the things that looked pretty really weren't going to be of value to the people moving in it was it was being built to look good and to make people comfortable but not those that were necessarily living there on a day in day out basis if that makes sense okay on the US side, as far as problems that I see, the, the you know, two of the biggest are cost and stigma. Cost is a struggle. We don't really have um, a good progressive plan for people. And here in America, especially with our, our, our older elders, They grew up in a belief that, you know, once you bought a home and secured a home, you would live there all of your life. Because our our nursing homes and um, communities years ago weren't what people wanted to move to. They They were dark, they were dingy, they smelled the urine, they didn't see people communicating, and that's what many people, many of our elders, still perceive housing to be. And that's not the case anymore. Um, and so that whole stigma is really a difficult one to get over. The other is, you know, just the sheer cost. A lot of people just can't afford it. They don't want to go on to what they perceive as welfare, Um, They would have to spend down their money and they worry that, you know, they're not going to have money to pass on for inheritance um, because that's really important to people here in the U.S. as well. So it gets really, really complicated. And even to get on to the government system for assistance is extremely complicated. And many people look down on those needing assistance. And so there's a real pride thing that hurts and harms. We have many families that are willing to support their loved ones at home, but yet we don't really educate them on how to do that. It's very much piecemeal. And we need more education on how to care and how to do that in a respectful way for both the person with dementia and themselves as carers, because they have to stay balanced. And then our laws here vary depending on the type of, of community. And so assisted living didn't used to have regulation because that was supposed to be more independent but a lot of people are staying in these assisted livings longer and needing a higher quality of care so we've had more incidences um, of abuse or neglect that has been perceived or has actually happened and so they're tightening up the laws on, on other communities knowing that there just has to be more oversight The problem I see with that is we don't have enough people to do the oversight. And so what I hear from communities is they're behind on that, so it's kind of a chicken or the egg theory, you know, with policy and then the follow-up with that. And then we also have a, a big, big issue here on people perceiving dementia reactions as behaviors and behaviors is a very negative term so we're trying to educate people that they are um, not really behaviors but their reactions and their clues to tell us something's wrong when a person has lost their ability to speak words and tell us directly
1: なるほど。しょうがないからどうしようもないから入れる家族がその高齢者を入れるっていうのがあの昔そういうイメージだったんですね。でも今これからは自ら入りたいここで暮らしたいっていうふうなあの施設を目指す転換期かなというふうに思ってます。それからスタッフにしましても二つ目は。あの、オフィス
0: yeah I, I would agree that the paradigm is changing um, and I also wanted to mention you know there's a lot of positive things too that are happening in the U.S. Um, for example we have a big push for becoming dementia friendly not just in communities um, where people live but in actual you know cities where people live in businesses where people live um, we are seeing both grassroots efforts, like I'm, I'm a grassroots baby, um, and then we're seeing governmental movement as well um, that is a little bit more structured. But we're definitely seeing more conversation, more education, more, much more focus on care versus cure. And not that we don't need a cure, but people need help today. And that, that was a big hurdle. You know, five years ago it was still, pretty much everybody was just talking about a cure, they weren't talking about how were people being cared for. And that is, that is uh, very much in the forefront here. Um, and I think that we have changed in terms of, there's a, a lot of different modalities um, to teach and, and to have choice for families and individuals and professionals you know, that are dealing with dementia. So I think there's a lot more support um, for it all. But we still have a long ways to go, in my opinion. (laughs) But we're making progress. I want to throw one more thing in there that um, during COVID, it has really taught everyone here in the U.S. the importance of being connected socially And that means not just for the person with dementia, but their families, that we have to do things differently to keep everybody connected and safe. And I think that that's a big plus because we're, you know, a lot of our communities are doing um, more with telecommunications like Zoom, like we're doing today. There's more telehealth, which is making it easier for people, which I think a lot of these things are going to stay even after COVID lifts. To be able to give more people diverse ways to stay connected and improve that feeling of isolation that everyone's feeling right now. Okay. Was there anything he wanted to add about what he sees that elder housing has done is doing well prior to, uh, to us getting into the, the next question of care farms?
1: yeah. I know, that's はい、then あの、はい。well,
0: let's talk about care farms in Japan. Do you have them, or are you
1: looking at bringing them there and why do you like them? 発信さて、近年、ソーシャルそのえ、えー、生活豊にとしてのというものは今のところない.
0: Interesting. We have a few that um, are in the United States, but most people here don't know anything about them um, because there's just that few of them and they're spread out across the, the whole US. Um, But they seem to be, and I have not personally visited one, um, but I have interviewed people with them, and it sounds like they've really done a nice merge of keeping people feeling purposeful in a community setting where they can help out with different chores around the farm, and yet if they're having a bad day and just need to go for a walk and get away, that there's staff there to do that as well. And really work with them within their needs. There. Okay. Um, I want to know what made you decide to spread this idea of care farms in Japan. And well, let's we'll start with that question first, and I won't merge
1: two on. you. <laughs> <laughs> ま大きな社会 so Well I love that. I absolutely love that. Um I
0: I love that restore humanity, you know, into our economy because people don't look at that and we have we have gotten so impulsive, and we need immediate gratification, and it's the society of me, 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 and we've we've lost we've we've lost our connection to one another, our ability to read each other's needs or or care about them, and that really saddens me. And so I totally agree with this concept, and I and I love the way that that was phrased in terms of. Everybody deserves a shining day, no matter where they are, no matter what age or stage of life they're in. Um, They still deserve dignity and warmth and compassion um, and to feel connected to their community. And uh, for a long time, I think that's been, you know, kind of pushed away. And even, you know, many families I know um, have pushed you know, pushed loved ones away, going, that's, that's not my responsibility. And, you know, we've lost that connected, connectedness um, with one another. Um, Here in the U.S., I think many people have been waiting for the government to come in and save the situation. And yet I don't see that as the answer. Um, I think, you know, to me, to have sustainable change We have to include everybody at every level and get their opinions to be able to build the best model because no matter if it's nonprofit or for-profit or people volunteering or families, um, they Mm -hmm. all impact one another when it comes to care and it's foolish to think otherwise. And in order to care the best for an individual, we have to take all of those into consideration because they all impact the person with dementia.
1: <laughs> Good.
0: Um, I'm wondering if if you can ask um, what kind of care farm he wants to develop and is there something different in his approach than others that are there right now?
1: 手を来てえ最大 えー、えー、I love that
0: concept of not working for money, but working for purpose and engagement. You know, that sense of belonging, that greater good, I think is so powerful. Anyways, in the U.S., I think it's underappreciated. How much purpose um, can change your whole life, your outlook, your daily shine, you know, in terms of why am I here? Uh, And I think a lot of people are questioning that these days, you know, what is their life about? And, you know, we see here in the U.S. people evaluating that as they age. Um, I know I'm 62, and so I I look at that, but I guess I, I grew up in a family where that was always valued to give back but there's a lot of people in the US where that is that's not a concept they ever learned or ever understood and i and i think it is so vitally important to to give yourself that calmness within that you belong and that you've done you you've done the best you can in the life that you've been given And so with the care farm concept, the way you're looking at it, I think it's brilliant because it pulls all levels together. And even though you were talking about pride and joy and meaningful lives for those with dementia and those disabled, what I love the most about it, it's living by example and it's teaching people who don't think they need to be taught that in a really subtle, beautiful way.
1: あの、ことえ ESG に、え、な ESG 投資が受け入れやすいをさん近隣の方だけシステムに企業に参加してもらおうと。そのエンジンとます。Great concept. I I love the
0: approach of being economically holistic. And um, I think that that's a beautiful approach and in doing it in one where it can be a movement that, that people and corporations can come together for the greater good for both sides. Uh, I think that that is a, a, a brilliant way to approach that and to resolve some inherent problems uh, that you're having. So I, I, kudos, that's wonderful, that's absolutely fantastic.
1: ありがとう
0: I wanted to ask if there was anything else that you wanted
1: to add. anything that we missed that we need to talk about. ロディさん私64歳な 人生あの毎日地球
0: I think that's beautiful, you know, if we can get a society where we don't have judgments, and we allow people to be their authentic selves, everyone will be much calmer and happier, because I, I think one of the things, you know, my mom had dementia for 30 years, And so one of the things that I realized with her was even as the disease progressed, she became more and more authentic. And for me, she was the safest place for me to go because she didn't judge me anymore. And just to be accepted if you're having a good day or a bad day or whatever is going on, to not have to justify or not have to hide what's really going on with you, it alleviates a lot of problems because right now I think what happens with people, um, especially in America here, we, we kind of put on, um, this fake smile that everything's okay, but all of our nonverbals, people with dementia can still read. So they can, they can still sense our anxiety, our frustration, our anger, whatever is going on with us. And we're giving them mixed messages and then, they mirror that back and things just keep escalating where for our authentic selves and if we're compassionate and have empathy for one another we're in a de-escalating mode and it's hard sometimes for me um, to understand how people don't understand that how when we are less authentic, we escalate problems. And when we are more authentic and just deal with our range of emotions and allow them to happen as long as they're not hurting someone else, we're really going to de-escalate things in the long run if we can just help somebody through that when they're having a rough time. Um, Because we're going to get back in balance to be able to find those moments of joy and create them. Instead of focusing on the grief and loss that we feel, we can focus on the great love that we had in the first place to even feel that great loss. And when we're focusing on the future, trying to protect and trying to make things better, sometimes we get lost in the planning, and it becomes fearful of what might come. And anytime there's a change, we still have to, how do I don't want to say, we still have to make a plan, we still have to reassess. So sometimes we make too many plans, and we waste too much time protecting that, instead of being in the moment. Because the moment we have right now is the only moment that we can create joy or we can recognize it. And so if we're spending too much time in in the loss, in the pain um, of the past, or spinning in the what-might-bes of the future, we're missing all those beautiful moments that are there, but we're just not looking for them. And we'll only find what we seek. And I think these care farms it allows people to highlight those moments of joy, the peacefulness, and um, gets people out of those other two areas um, that bring them down. Thank you. Yeah,いろいろありがとうございます. <laughs> okay, great. Well, I think we'll go ahead and, and wrap up. This has been very informational and um, wonderful to see what you're what you're planning on doing. Um, in terms of expanding the care farms and, and how they work. So, Mr. Otta, thank you so much for, for sharing your work with us. Uh, Ashi, thank you for, for translating and interpreting uh, things back and forth. And uh, Nalco, again, thank you for arranging this interview as a whole. You can get a hold of Mr. Otta um, by going to his website, which is uh, www and then it's ubgn.co.jp, dot co dot jp and you can also email the company at info info at ubgn dot C-O-J-P. and I hope that more people you know, all around the world, consider care farms. I think it's an important concept that brings a lot of value on a lot of levels, not only in terms of relationship-based care, um, but also from an economical level, as farmers uh, are struggling all over in terms of that succession process. And so I think it's just a really nice, nice match there. So again, you're going to be able to you know share this and I hope that you do uh, because again, I think it's a valuable, valuable lessons and I hope you all have shining days. Thank you.
1: Thank you very much.
0: Thank you. Hi everyone. this is Meredith from the Senior Fitness with Meredith Podcast, where I discuss all things for seniors, from fitness, your health and wellness journeys,